Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom and Burrow and DoorDash. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, who I believe moved a campaign event to talk to us today. (laughs) I did. I did. Well, if you're going to get technical, I just sent my husband to that campaign event (laughs) to give a speech instead. You delegated, which is the quality of a leader. I did. And it's like the best thing about, like, it's so cool. Like when you run for a campaign, you're like, I'll just send, I'll just send my spouse. Right. So do you give him like behavior talks before he goes out? Oh, you better believe we do. <laughs> like we were at the last Democratic debate and Frank just starts screaming at everything Elizabeth Warren says. And yeah, our campaign manager turns to him and he's like, Frank, tone it way down. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. And Frank's like, no, I love no. her. It's great. Yeah. Passionate. Passionate about politics. Yes. That's cute. I hope he is having a good time. It is very nice of him to to go out and hit the hit the town. And support you. I just, I have to say, so I love that the gender roles are kind of swapped here. And we're like, Frank is the Jackie O of the Woo like, <laughs> congressional campaign. And like, and like, even Gamergate loves Frank. They love Frank. So it's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because he, well, 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 Frank has a Hugo. Like, Frank right. is like, Frank really <laughs> is the Jackie O of this, right? Like, she, yeah. like, he, like, like he, he's, he's the glamour. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. Everybody loves him. He's great. Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to have a great show tonight. Uh, the energy already very good. We're going to be talking about those new iPhones. We're going to be talking about that Sega Genesis Mini. And then we're going to have a very special eulogy. Or is it? Because <laughs> we really don't know. But first, let's kick it off with that thing that we've been building up to talking about for weeks now. The iPhone 11, the iPhone 11 Pro, and the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Uh-huh. Uh, Terrible name. Uh, womp womp. They have been reviewed. They have been touched, felt, used by journalists everywhere. Um, I want you guys to tell me. Just give me a one-word reaction to the reviews, starting with Christina. Nice. Brianna? Sure. And me. Excited, but really? with that exact tone, You're right? So it, I would have said tentatively excited, but I, I I set a rule for myself and I said only one word. You did so, so you had the right like uh, um uh you you intoned the right way. You put the right, and yeah. that is why human communication is so layered, multifaceted, truly incredible. I communicated a tone, a feeling, a mood with you all through just my voice. <laughs> and folks, that is the magic of podcasting. Anyway, so <laughs> reviews are out and they're positives. They're positive, um, with some exciting highlights, which we will touch on. But first, uh, I'll let you guys uh, expand on your reactions. I mean, I I think when TechCrunch is is reviewing the phone and like the second paragraph to the sixth paragraph is all about the ability to transfer your phone like like from the real one, like in physical space. I just think that says something about what they're bringing to the table. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, well, 
I, I don't disagree. I, I think the one pushback I would say on that is I don't think this is, and we've talked about this a lot. I don't know. If the, I don't think this is unique to the iPhone. I think we are in this peak phone place where there hasn't been a lot of innovation that's happened. Even if there has been, it's not stuff that we're actively seeing and kind of, you know, seeing like massive people taking advantage of. Um, so your differences are not going to be these massive things. So maybe that's why a journalist will maybe over compensate um, and over index about yeah. the new things, which in this case would be the setup process. Um, which well, I think Neilai did a really good job in his review of the iPhone 11, uh, which I watched today, which was basically, he comes out right at the beginning and says, this is going to be the easiest review ever. It's just, you know, this is the one you want. Yeah. It's a bit, if you have the 10 R it's basically that, but a bit better. Like no one's, he, at least in that case, is not pushing anyone to be like, gotta upgrade, baby. And even New York Times uh, in their review came out and said, if your phone's five years old, yeah, go ahead and upgrade. If your phone's only two years old, eh, you can still you can still hold out. Yeah, which I th- which I think is um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk. We said it. I mean, I think I said it years ago, like that we are now on this three year upgrade cycle. Like, I actually think I probably said that maybe even with the iPhone seven is when we started to kind of see that. And this feels absolutely 100% true, right? Like there are some big changes, especially with the camera that do seem significant that I would say that I would say this, I do think from based on the reviews that the jump from say the 10s max to the 11 pro max or the, um, uh, 10s to the 11, um, uh, pro is bigger than it was from the iPhone 10 to the 10s. Yeah, um, I'm not. I, I don't have as, as strong of an opinion necessarily from the 10R to uh, t- to the 11. Um, although like, about how big of a difference that is from you know say like the the um, the eight to the uh, to the 10R. But I think that um, so I do think that that like I guess Delta is bigger than it was last year. Like last year was almost no Delta. And and I I feel comfortable saying that now that I've had the iPhone XS Max for a year, I do not feel like I really got anything out of that phone other than a bigger size than what I had with the iPhone 10. I just don't. But at the same time, I feel like if you have an iPhone 10 um or an iPhone 10R, the reason for upgrading is still not going to be clear. If you have an iPhone 8 or if you have like an iPhone 8 and and you're maybe looking at getting um, you know, a, a 10R or or the 11, or if you have like a an iPhone 7, um, and and you're looking at going from uh that to uh the Pro or the regular, that I think is a much easier case to make. But if you got your phone mm-hmm. in in 2017, I still feel like you're in that point where you might want to upgrade, but you don't have to. That's the point that I'm at right now, which is why this is interesting to me. Because I, as listeners will remember, was pretty firmly in the camp of, I'm going to hold out for one more year. Um, and then I started reading these reviews. And I uh, coincidentally, I also, uh, my iPhone loan auto-debited today. And I, out of curiosity, thought, oh, let me just go see how much I have left on that. And I only have $163 left on it, which puts me in this... It, I, it should not make me feel this way. It should not make me feel like I can spend money. But it put me no, in this you weird state of yeah. like, but what if I upgrade it? And, oh, the camera is comparable to the Pixel now? And it does oh, yeah, have that yeah. cool auto-wide thing. But on the same token, it's still like an only only a two year upgrade because I have the eight. So I, I'm still really on the fence. 
Yeah, but you got the hoopty model from that year too. You know, like I think that would be a legit thing to do. We have an iPhone 8 in the office, and I think for you that would be a really big upgrade. The beauty of like having your phone contract paid off though is that when you have to call up AT&T and yell at them, you can just truthfully be like, and I'll walk right out the door and go over to Verizon <laughs> right now. Yep. I owe you guys nothing. <laughs> Screw yeah. you. Um, right. um, you're with T-Mobile, right, Simone? <laughs> Yes, I am. And my loan, I believe, is technically to Apple. Oh, okay, so your your loan is with Apple. I was going to say, because you could do the math, because T-Mobile is, is offering a $350 uh, trade-in, so you get half off of the iPhone um, 11, um, is is basically what they're uh, saying. Um, that, oh. that they would give you, you get 50% off the iPhone 11 if, if you trade in your phone. Um, but so you might want to like do the math and like see... If you would want to get a new, like once your uh, payment plan with Apple runs out, if you wanted to sign up for a new thing, or if you wanted to to do the trade in with with T Mobile, like that would be the thing that that you might want to check out. But yeah, I think you're that forgetting this- something though. It's yeah. Simone's phone. That's for top tier condition phone. I don't know what <laughs> Simone is doing to her phone, but it's going to be weird. So I don't know if it's going to be the whole three fifty. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, look, as long as it, a little bit, huh? as long as it turns <laughs> on, butter. I was going to say, as long as it turns on and the button works, they at this, at this point they basically will do it because they're going to refurb it anyway and then sell it for for you know a handy profit. So what if I like use it not just as a phone but also as a spoon? Yeah, I mean, what I'm if just I'm saying, scooping up ice cream with it and I mean, licking again, it right hot off? Hot dog, hot dog. Well, again, it is it is waterproof. So as long as it turns on, um, and and the screen is you know not ridiculously like whatever. Like from what I understand, they're pretty good with that. So I would check that. I think you're in a good place. I think that you're probably yeah, but you're right, Simone. Like I think you're at that person who it's like an edge case, right? Like mm-hmm. it's. You you could wait another year, um, but uh, if you have the ability and if you are already budgeting for paying the Apple payment plan, you might as well continue, right? Like, I think that that is not a bad place to be. I will actually be interested to see if in future years they expand these terms to 36 months just because... Oh, oh. yeah. Like, that I could see them doing just because, A, some of the prices are going up, right? And B... Um, you know, the reality is at this point, a lot of people are keeping their phones for three years. So, yeah, hey, I've got a uh, dumb question. Yeah. Well, it, so we know that Apple on the software side is focusing on subscription services such as Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, etc. When you have what is essentially a subscription, except that it's a loan that I'm paying to mm-hmm. Citizens One on a monthly basis, is that good for them stock-wise? Oh, yeah. Like, did they count that as revenue coming in? Oh, God, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure when they recognize the revenue. I don't, like, that's the one thing I don't know. I don't know if they recognize the revenue at the time that you sign the loan. So they take that as, you know, the $800 or whatever the phone, whatever the loan price was, like, all at once, or if they recognize it incrementally, like, on a quarterly basis. I assume... No, they 100% get paid the 100 all of it, because I've done this through Apple. It's actually through Citizens Bank. So right, right, Citizens right. No, Bank, yeah. no, Citizen Bank, I know, does it. What I'm saying is, I don't know from Apple's accounting side. Like, I don't know if if they're recognizing the full revenue and then dealing with Citizens Bank on, like, the, the, the terms and then going after people and, you know, going after them in, you know, quarter credit or whatever if somebody defaults. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that they recognize all the revenue. So in that case, yeah, yeah. There's, they're, they're basically, it would be good for them because they're selling that many more devices. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Thank you. 
So, so I have a couple more things to say about this phone. I've, do. I've been pretty critical, uh, and specifically, I've been critical of the ML chip uh, that they added to it last generation because I was like, you can't sell normal people on the idea that like your facial recognition, your phone is going to run a little faster. But now that I've seen the results of these uh, these uh, night mode pictures. I have to say, it's really, 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 really good. And the thing I liked about the TechCrunch review is he was talking about how we used to work in a camera store and how the term pro means different things to different people. You know, in his experience, uh, like in the 90s, if you had pro camera equipment, it was to shoot like low light zoom situations, like beyond like what a family, uh, like a a normal family would need. It was those edge cases. And how for that like 20% edge case, that is the pro in the iPhone, uh, in the iPhone 11 Pro. Mm-hmm. And like for me, like Simone, I admit that you also, I love that you also admit not being a good photographer, I'm terrible at it. Not I just awful. will never be interested enough to do it well. But like, I thought this was, this is the moment I go, okay, I get that. For almost everyone, the iPhone 11 is going to be what they want. But for anyone serious about taking pictures, uh, I can kind of see spending that money here. The camera, I, so this has to all come with the grain of salt that we'll see new pixels, pixel phones rather. And the cameras will probably, again, be great and probably better. But what it, it was very impressive to me that they're saying now in this particular iteration compared to last year's pixels, mm-hmm. the iPhone is now stacking up where last yep. year they the gap was quite noticeable, especially for people who know stuff about cameras. Yeah, well, last year, the the interesting thing is that the gap has all been on the software side. Like, from a sensor perspective, yep. I don't really think there was any difference. And and Apple usually, you know, sources the very best Sony sensor that they can. Um, and, and sometimes other manufacturers will even get the exact same or very, very similar sensor. But it was all on the software side. And this year, you're exactly right. Like, it seems, and, and this is where it'll be interesting when the Pixel event is, is in um, a, a few weeks to see what, what Google does. But it seems like they caught up on the software and yep. uh and that's great and i i'm you know what i'm happy about that because i i do wonder for a period of time like i've attributed some of google's betterness at some of the photo stuff to the fact that they are better at ai and part of that is because they don't have qualms about using the massive amounts of data that they have to build really good <laughs> models i mean that's just just honestly right like that's part of their thing but I, I also wonder part of it was maybe because Apple was so far ahead of photos for so long on the software side and the hardware side, but on the software mm-hmm. side, they were so far ahead for so long. Part of me wonders if maybe it was one of the situations where it's like, maybe you get a little bit comfortable, you know, and you're like, nobody can touch us. And then you see that somebody kicks your ass and you're like, oh, okay, we got to step this up, right? Like we have to actually really double down and we have the engineering talent and we have the expertise and you you think that you yeah. have a good dark mode. Our dark mode is is better. Get ready, baby. And then they, they turned their little crank and they booted the sensors all the way up and now the photo's good. That's how it works, folks. Don't, do you think there's, this is the one thing that kind of worries me about this. Yeah, so so like with with cars, there's a there's a reasonable argument now with cars that because it, it used to be that like steering was a manual action, meaning you had hydraulic steering fluid, it would 
physically turn the tires. Nowadays, it's all electronic. Your gearbox is electronic. Your acceleration is electronic. And you lose, like, touch with the road. I think we're kind of getting to a point with these pictures where it's not just doing like, you know, machine learning algorithms and, you know, high exposure, low exposure, combining these different photos. It's like taking information before and after Mm -hmm. you snap the picture to get all of this. Do you think there's a point where it's like, what? Is this even real what we're seeing? Like, do you? I I think absolutely. But on the other hand, it really everything on the internet is so manufactured. I think all people care about, and even speaking for myself, I'm not putting myself on a high horse here. All I want to do is take gosh darn good photos so that people on Instagram will look at them and say, Uh my gosh, look at her great photos. What an innate (laughs) skill as a photographer she has. But no, it's all going to be my phone's brilliant mind. Um, So honestly, yes, I think there is a weird Rubicon here of the real and the digital are manufactured lives and our live reality. But I also think that that's, I mean, it'll, it'll probably come to a head someday, but everything about photography, personal photography online is so manufactured um, that I'm saving that problem for another day. <laughs> what do you think, Christina? Yeah, no, I I think, I think so. I, I, I think I'm with Simone, right? Like I, I think that, yeah, a lot of it is, I just want my photos to look really good, you know? <laughs> uh, I, I just want my photos to look as good as possible. Because, I mean, at this point, and we've I said this for years. I just want my years. skin to look smooth, honey. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I want, my, I want my skin to look smooth, but not too fake, right? Because that is the weird thing. Like, so, like some of the, the um, Asian phones go way overboard with the beauty mode. And, like, look, I really appreciate it when the phone gets rid of, uh, you know, some of my forehead wrinkles because I know I need to get Botox, but, like, I don't <laughs> want to – I haven't had time. I'm going to get it done again. But, like, I, I – you know what I mean? But – so I appreciate all that. But at the same time, sometimes you're like, whoa, this just looks Facetune. So uh, I like it when it feels natural, but it also makes me prettier. Yeah, I can see that. I think there's always going to be like, just like there's a group of people that love all older, you know, physical car technology and enjoy driving that way. That's probably going to exist with photography too. Like, you know, people that like high end cameras, traditional like film development method, Mm -hmm. all of that. I, I just, I don't know. I guess like, do you all have this moment where people share pictures online and uh, you're like, is my friend just looking great these days or is this some kind of filter? And I don't oh, know. Oh, all the time. You know? Honestly, like, I usually don't have the the second thought of this is purely manufactured. I just have the, <laughs> why don't my photo look good? Um, so I really need to work on my introspection. Um, and now that we've talked about this for more than a minute, now I'm swinging back the other way, you guys. <laughs> now I feel really specifically because I'm thinking about perception and I don't know. I like, I, I'm sure that everything this comes to fake. your mind, Everything's Brianna, though. But like, as, Brianna, as a person who is running for office, I'm sure that you have to be very careful to be real online yeah. because when you then inevitably meet people <laughs> in person, yes. they, they're going to see, like, oh, yeah, that's her real skin. That's her real hair. Like, you can't over airbrush because you're going to be in public and people will see you and be like, I know what she looks like. (laughs) No, you're dead on with that. Whereas I, a mole woman who is going to live on a remote mountaintop, will never have to worry about it. Of course not. (laughs) There it is. 
Mole woman. <laughs> nice. Uh, can I do a brief ad break and then we'll come back for thoughts, final thoughts about the phones? Yes. <laughs> Which we talk about like the camera only for 20 minutes. But it's, well, it's fine. Really a camera. Folks, you're right. It is a camera upgrade. Folks, let me tell you what's not a camera. It's Pingdom, the sponsor of this episode. Woo! Yes. Woo-hoo. This, uh, pet. You know what they are? You know what Pingdom are? They're brilliant. What are they? Helping you keep your sites and the sites that you love online. Nice. Pingdom monitor your site so that you don't have to and give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times, like some kind of Batman in the dark night, except not violating the privacy of the citizens of Gotham because it's just your website. The internet is awesome, but stuff breaks there all the time. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month, so that's more, folks, than 400,000 outages every day. That's a lot. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You still have to comport yourself in a professional manner. And that means you need alerts about any critical website issues. Pingdom lets you customize how you are alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom have a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. What? Then when you sign up, use the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of this show and Relay FM. Do you think at Pingdom HQ they like play your ads and they're like, oh, they love the work we do? Like you, you, you could not pay for that excited an ad read so from anyone else. At Vox Media, they used to have um, podcasts, Vox podcasts, playing in the bathrooms. Yeah. And that's what they do with my ads at Pingdom headquarters. So every time you go to take a poo, <laughs> you hear you Simone hear me being super excited. Yeah. yeah. And of course, the single stall, the single use bathrooms. If you're going to the regular bathrooms with multiple stalls, you do still hear me. But it's a little more difficult when you're down at the end of the room. <sighs> Okay. Um, what's topic two today? Y'all? No, no, no. We we get we wrap get up, baby. Show. You, you wrap up. Um, yeah. I uh, I so I get my phone on Friday, and I'm very excited. Right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about the cameras and whatnot. Again, like I said this last week, I think, um, or, or if I didn't, I'll say it. Like again, like I did the math, and I realized that it is actually cheaper for me to continue to pay for the phone every year because I buy it every year than it would be for me to buy it, trade it in, and then like get a new one. So the upgrade plan is actually, I did the math, it's cheaper. I would would not need to do this if I were not an insane person who gets it every year. But in this case, I'm actually really excited. I'm actually, like last year, I, I feel like it was I don't I don't think I needed to upgrade. It was one of those things like I wanted the color and whatever and I always do it, but I I don't think I got anything out of the upgrade. This year with the um based on the reviews, I'm pretty excited. Heck yeah. So I broke my phone. I oh. smashed my phone this weekend. Uh-huh. And uh well done. Yeah, every well, every time I drop it, I always go, 
at least one more, like meaning how many times can you drop a phone and not break it? Yeah. But mm-hmm. this time it actually broke. I went over to the Apple store and I just, like, Christina, can you, I, I, if you told me I'd be going into Apple, yeah, I sit down with them and I'm like, I want that phone back. Don't swap it out with anything else. Just give me this phone back. I have no interest in it whatsoever. I'm putting that thousand dollars this year towards a Disney vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 sticking to the three year cycle. No, so, you're smart. Yeah. See again, like you're rational. You are a smart person. I am not. I make oh. bad choices, as we know, and like I have no self control. But since I buy it anyway. Like I actually, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm saving 50 or $75 based on, you know, what the trade in value would be otherwise. But no, you're, you're making the smart, correct I, move. I feel like I want to say, Christina, like I have a arcade cabinet of Marvel versus Capcom coming to my house soon. So I make plenty <laughs> of other bad decisions. This is just not a bad decision I'm making at this time. I'll make it next year. So. <laughs> All right, and stay tuned on the decision that I make. Will I be complacent and stick with my iPhone 8, or will I stumble upon the iPhone upgrade page one too many times and make a late-night purchase? (laughs) Do it. Let's talk about some other late-night purchases that a person could make. The Sega Genesis Mini. Oh! Reviews are out now. And Chris Grant, noted old hardware fanatic, says... It proves Sega is ready to take its legacy seriously. I am so excited. I'm so glad I bought this. Um, even after the disaster of the PlayStation Classic, which, wow. Uh-huh. Wow. What a, what a horrible, have you tried horrible modding thing. it yet? Have you done any of that? It's, I have. It's glorious. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it is. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a good modding thing. But the, 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 the downside is that, you know, the SNES, the NES, actually, there's this massive community around it because they sold a million of them. No one bought the PlayStation, so the modding community is super small. But you can also get a PlayStation Classic for like a dollar. Well, this right? is what so, exactly. Yeah. But I didn't pay a dollar; I paid like full price. But no, I mean you're right. I mean, like once you do that with it, it's great. So I'm really excited about this. Not only did I buy the, I bought the American one, but um, they released this versus Japan only. Although some reviewers got a U.S. one, it isn't available for sale yet. But it, it seems like Sega's teasing us. They have this thing. So you know, they used to have this thing called like the 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 um, you know stack of power, which would be like your Sega CD, and on top of that is the Genesis, and on top of that is the 32X, and um, you know, it's this kind of ridiculous like monstrosity of like the OG Sega CD, the OG Genesis, and the 32X, because the later models had like a, a tray where they were side by side. And in Japan, they like have this. Um, like little toy thing that is like a, a version of that so that you can attach a Sega CD and a 32X to your new Genesis. I so love I bought, it. So I bought it. I bought it from Amazon in Japan and uh, I, it was like $45 with shipping, but uh, I'm <laughs> that as ridiculous as it is, like I'm very excited about it. Like I, I'm a little annoyed because it does look like there's going to be a, a English version, but um, legit like that I'm I'm as excited about as anything else. No, that just makes it that much more legit for you, Christina, because you had to import the goods uh, Saturn Sega CD from overseas. So you went out of your way. Now remind me what the status is uh, on you guys and this this device. 
Uh, I also pre-ordered it. Mine gets here on Friday. I'm super excited about this. If I could back up for just a bit, just in case listeners have not been following this as closely as we have. Your own editor-in-chief, Simone, uh, Mm -hmm. over at Polygon, savaged, savaged Seika's uh, cheap cash in, what was it, two years ago? Last year? Yeah, yeah. It was last year. And that was the one by by, um, AT Games, who has made... Well, they've made a number of them, right? Like they've been making these things. They've done the Atari ones for forever and they've done the Genesis ones for a long time. And they really try to just like over like index on like, oh, well, we're, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're getting into this mini console business too. But it was like, Real bad. Mm-hmm. It was really bad. So they brought this out and they they got the Sega M2 team to do this. Now, if you're a real Sega fangirl like I am, they have been uh, bringing over some amazing ports of classic Genesis games. Uh, virtual Racing uh, is just frankly amazing on Switch. They've been doing these just ultra high quality pixel perfect ports. Outrun uh, on Sega on uh, Nintendo Switch is amazing. So they passed all of this over to their, to them, and they made what reviewers are calling the best mini classic console of all time. The person that did the soundtrack for Streets of Rage 2 wrote an all-new track for the menu music of this. When you go and change the languages, it switches between the English version and the Japanese version. So you can go play the Japanese yeah. version of Bare Knuckle 3, Streets of Rage 3, which is the best one. So the bottom line with this, they didn't just produce a really great mini console. They also took the time to make sure all the little details are perfect in it. Yeah, the only thing, the only complaint that I've heard anybody have is that they are shipping with the OG three-button controllers and you have to pay like an extra 20 bucks if you want to get the six-button. For yep. most games, that's not going to be a big deal. For Street Fighter, that is like... A no, like it's it's impossible to play Street Fighter it's, with, it's with unplayable. It, it's unplayable. Start. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so that is one of those things I'm going to have to order is um, some of the um, uh, controllers that they they partnered with another company on to make. Um, and so that's that's my only kind of critique. But there's always one of those. I mean, honestly, the game mm-hmm. selection is. I think I'm not. Look, I was not a Genesis kid. Like I, I had really? my uh, well. No, I was a Nintendo kid, and my my um, my cousins had a Genesis, and so I would play theirs. And I had you know friends who had you know Genesises, but no, I was I was a Nintendo Super Nintendo kid. And so a lot of these games were things that I played like at, at other people's houses, right, or that I discovered on emulators. Um, so I don't have like the nostalgia the same way that um, I do with like the the NES or the Super Nintendo or, or even the PlayStation. That said, like I'm still super stoked about this. Uh, like like uh, Gunstar Heroes is is a, one of the best um, you know platformer games, and um, and the the whole the whole thing is you know look they they put together what looks like a, a really good collection of things, and I think this is going to sell really well, which should mean that we're going to have um, a very good mod community. Oh, I hope so. I hope we get a uh, Dreamcast mini. No, oh my God, that oh. would genuinely for the 20th anniversary. <laughs> I, I'm like they could do it. I mean, some of the some of the Dreamcast emulators work really well, especially since that game. I mean, we spent 30 minutes talking about it um, uh, two weeks ago. Like, I think that that would have the kind of cult appeal uh, that would actually sell yeah. incredibly well. It's it's yeah. like Earth. It's like Dreamcast is the Earthbound of uh, you know of consoles. <laughs> it's it's it. like yep. no one appreciated it when it was there except for me. And now, now everybody's like, it's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I told you. I was going to say, I feel like I hear a lot of people 
talk nostalgically about it, but it might just be you. <laughs> it might just be me <laughs> casting you out onto everyone else I know. Uh, I have a question. Is this yes. going to be as easily uh, cracked and modded as the other mini consoles we've seen? I don't think we know yet. The, uh, yeah. the chip in it is not the same. It's proprietary uh, technology inside of it, uh, done by M2 again. Uh, so we don't I, I, I've not seen any reporting out on that yet. Digital Foundry has a really great uh, technical teardown of the whole thing. But one of the things I'm really excited about with this is, if you remember the PlayStation Classic, they uh, it was running at 50 frames per second because they were using the PAL versions of it. Mm-hmm. Here, they've retimed all of those, and they have that working correctly. So, oh, wow. Uh, so you have to kind of assume they're using like a beefed up uh, off the shelf emulator. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say it seems more likely than not that they will figure out a way to do that. What mm-hmm. do you think, Christina? Yeah, I mean, I, I would be shocked if if it was not. I mean, how you know? Again, again, I think some of this is going to depend on how many they sell and and that kind of thing. But I would be shocked if this was not um, uh, easily. Um, you know, emulated because the thing is, is that even if they're using custom ships or whatever, it's at some point at low level. I guarantee you that this is some sort of you know Linux kernel. Uh, this is some sort of you know ARM chip, and they are more than likely running some sort of like known emulator, or at the very least, what they will do is what they've done on the, all the other ones, so that you can sideload RetroArch. Like yep. that's you know, it's just getting to that point. And would it be tech, you know, technically possible to create something that would be difficult to hack? Absolutely. When you're making these things at this price and at this scale, do you want to invest in that type of DRM? Probably not. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I anticipate that. And I honestly, I think at this point for a lot of us, that's why we keep kind of buying these, even though like people are, well, how many raspberry Pi things can you have? All of them. (laughs) All yeah. of them. They, like I, I can have all of them because they, they look just like the big things. And that's awesome. Yeah. Challenge freaking accepted from Christina Warren. <laughs> so, so what I love about this is it, you know, of course it has the Streets of Rage 2. Everyone has played that. Of course it has Sonic. Of course it has these really big games. I'm really excited about people getting exposure to some of the, the quirkier titles that most people have not played. Alyssa Dragoon, there's a good argument that that is one of the first like triple A big budget 16 bit era games that had a female protagonist in it. Like that's a historically important game. It's not mm-hmm. a great one, but it's an important one. And mm-hmm. you've got all these really weird titles that are included on that. that even I'm like, Whoa, that's that's kind of weird. Contra Hard uh, Hard Corps, I think, is the best Contra game ever made. It is wildly better than the 16-bit version of Con- of Contra on the SNES. So they're they're just all these oddball titles, and I love that. I love that they went out of their way for that. Yeah, I do too. And I also, um, you know, they were they were constrained somewhat because some of the best Genesis games were either sports games where Genesis was always better than the Super Nintendo, um, and they had you know the big licenses and you know don't, don't want to have to pay for that stuff. Or some of the like Disney games, like Aladdin on Genesis was was significantly mm-hmm. better than Aladdin on um, Super Nintendo, and um, uh, Lion King was about equal, but it was a little bit better on Genesis as well. The big one though that stands out is Aladdin, and those are the things like they you know don't want to pay the the, the licensing on. Um, so you get constrained with some of your best games or these things that, you know, 
aren't economically feasible to uh, to recreate. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that they did a really good job with uh, the title selection. I really liked uh, Kotaku, I think. Uh, it was either Kotaku or Polygon who put it into, like, categories. I think it was Kotaku. And it was they, Kotaku, like, yeah. Yeah, and then they put, like, like the Virtua Fighter 3 and, like, or 2 or whatever in one of them. They're like, this this game did not need to exist. Yes. <laughs> um, which, which, fair, right? But, like, I'm very excited about um, uh, Street Fighter 2 uh, uh, Championship Edition. Uh, I love really? that game. Yeah. See, as a Street Fighter aficionado, I think the Genesis, that particular version of Street Fighter on the Genesis, even if you have a six button controller, the the colors are a little washed out. Look, it's not as good as the N64 version. I agree. The N64 version is superior. You're not wrong. But the the Genesis version had like it still gives us Cami, it still gives us like some of the good backstory stuff. Like it's it's a good game. Okay. All right. I'm I'm cutting you (laughs) off. I know you can go all night. Uh, I, I have one final thought. There's this throw a, a throwaway line in Grant's review where he says the curator must have had a really tough job picking these games. And I want nothing more than to read an interview with the people involved in deciding yeah. what games are on these yeah. mini consoles because it must, again, be so hard. No, it must be so hard to go through all of the games, figure out what you can get. Like, I have to imagine that you have like a wish list and then you have like your backup, like your, your you know, like your B team, maybe yeah. even your C team. And you have to like go through and like whittle it down and be like, okay, what can we get? Like, what was going to look the best? That, but that has to be a really fun job. I, I would love to read an interview with that. That'd be yeah. really cool. Well, any journalists out there want to scoop me, go ahead. I don't care. Or if anybody who works on that wants to talk to us. Also that. Scoop yourself. Talk to me. Either so way. So before before we move on to the next topic, can, so what is it? What is the top what is the system we want to see next? So we've got the TurboGrafx oh. 16 slash PC engine. That comes out next year. Yeah. I know, not psyched about that. We've got the Neo Geo, this word of that we can't come back. Yeah. What what do I want to hear from both of you? What what's the mini system you want to see next? Huh. That's hard for me because, again, I didn't have any of these consoles as a kid, but the first thing that came to mind was a Game Boy, which I think is yeah. kind of silly. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. That would be amazing, actually. That's a great idea. That cool. is a great idea. I'm a millionaire I, 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 now. I, 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 I think what they should do would be Game Boy Advance or like Game Boy Color, yeah. right? Yeah. But Game oh, Boy wow. Advance would be great because because that you know they, they could still run some of the old like you could you could do all the whole series right you could do Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, Game Boy OG um, that were like colorized with um, what they did on on the latter two systems. I think for me, Game Boy is a good one. I think for me, as much as my heart wants to say Dreamcast, um, I actually think N sixty four. Oh wow! Yeah, duh. I, I think the N64 is overrated. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I, no. I, 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 I have very few games there that I truly, truly love. Overrated, though opinion. it may be. You know people would uh, buy would it. would go crazy. Not only, fair, uh, fair the point. one thing yeah. I would say about N64, if you do an N64 Mini, you have to pay up for the GoldenEye license. Like, there's no oh, way yeah. around that. Like I, yeah. like, I don't care how much money it would cost. I And it would cost them significant amounts of money but nintendo you are swimming in switch money you have all of the money do it because you will literally it will be like the nes classic scenario where you have to put it back into production like it will sell that many copies Mm -hmm. um you also what you do is you ship it with one controller you have four you sell those for extra amounts of money like 
honestly, like do that. But I mean, just for N64, Mario 64, uh, Ocarina of Time, um, uh, you know, GoldenEye, uh, Perfect Dark, uh, Mario Kart, Wave Racer, uh, uh, you know, 1080, um, you know, Yoshi's, no, Yoshi's Island was too easy, but like <laughs> there are, there are a lot of games that you could just, most of them first party, like Donkey Kong 64, like the, yeah, I mean, they're, Look, to be clear, there are very few third-party games. That was not a third-party game system, but there are so many good first-party games that I that w- I would die. I, I would like to see my order preference would be Sony goes back, they take a page from Sega, they redo this P- the PlayStation Classic, deliver us what we all wanted. They should take this page from Sega and redo this. But the system I would like more would be the 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 GameCube. Uh, Ooh, yeah, you know, yeah. Resident Evil is really mm-hmm. having a moment of coming back right yep. now. Resident Evil remake mm. on that system is it was best. amazing. It is probably the best Resident Evil game before Resident Evil Two remake. You've mm-hmm. got Puyo Pot Fever, the best puzzle game ever made. Mm. You've got Mario Kart Double Dash, which connoisseurs like me think yeah. are the the best obviously, version of Mario obviously Kart. You, yeah. Well, you have Smash, which was yeah. the big thing, right? Like Smash, st- yeah. st- still to this day is is um, you know dominating and, and a lot of that. Um, you have a uh, um, you know Zelda was 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 pretty good on that. Um, Although, actually, I think my favorite thing, because I still have my GameCube, I have the remastered Ocarina and um, the the sequel on N64. They remastered that and put it out on GameCube. Yep. And that was really that was a really good port and and upscaled some stuff. Like that would be another thing you could kind of bring back. Um, yeah, no, I I would love to see GameCube, even even Mario Sunshine, which I think is an underrated Mario game. Um, yep. Yeah. No, I, I I think the GameCube would be. Yeah, and we're at like we're at like eighteen years, like. Yeah. yeah. Come on, yeah. Nintendo. Make it happen. Can I tell you now that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Burrow? Yes. I can. Fall TV season is here, and I know I'm not the only one who's about to be glued to my couch, which is where I was right before I started recording this podcast. And I would be there still if it weren't for you guys. I am uh, really into, in particular, right now, season two of Succession, which is airing. Um, and it's actually Sunday nights are very good for me now because the Righteous Gemstones, which I'm also really enjoying, comes out right after that. And I love to sit on my big, beautiful burrow couch and watch them on my roommate's big, beautiful TV. If you, like me, love to lose yourself in a show that is incredibly well acted, uh, beautifully written and well shot, you can glue yourself to the best couch out there. And that's Burrow. Now's the perfect time to upgrade that lumpy old couch that nobody likes. You've been meaning to replace it forever. Your burrow sofa can handle even the most hardcore TV-watching session with a kiln-dried Baltic birch frame and durable fabric that's naturally scratch and stain-resistant, which is a big deal for me because, as you know, I am a person who likes to rest glasses of liquid on the arms of my couch. Um, and also to eat on the couch. And I have like a tray that I put dishes on that I have on the couch next to me. The burrow couch, I do still recommend using the tray, but often I don't even use the tray. I just mm. put the dishes right on the couch. Why am I an animal? Burrow <laughs> is totally customizable. Pick your fabric, color, leg finish, armrest style, and length. I chose, they have like high armrests and low armrests. I chose the low ones because again, I need to be putting glasses of water on there and reaching them like without reaching up. 
You can even add a chaise lounge or an ottoman or both with built-in USB chargers in that couch, baby. You could be tweeting. You could be charging your phone. No more charging your phone away from your couch. What? Charge your phone on your couch and look at it while you watch TV. I know you do. It's not dystopian. You can look up fan theories for hours after. You can do what I do and read reviews of Succession while I'm watching Succession. Burrow sofas are easy to set up and easy to move, and you can always add or remove seats as needed because those babies are modular. Uh, you Say you move to a bigger apartment. What? Now you've expanded your couch. It just, same couch, add a part. Amazing. You can get free one-week shipping, so you can have your sofa all set up by next week's episode Um, by listening to me right now. <laughs> Don't settle for the same old couch. Settle into a comfy new burrow sofa. Get $75 off that new sofa and free one-week shipping by visiting burrow.com slash rocket. That's B-U-R-R-O-W, burrow.com slash rocket for $75 off your order. Thank you, Burrow, for your support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Yeah, baby. All right. (laughs) It's time. To talk about what's happening with MoviePass. As you know, if you've been listening to our show for some time now, MoviePass has been a tentpole of our coverage. Uh, When it launched, I believe we we did express doubts. We were doubting from day one. MoviePass is, of course, a subscription service where you paid a monthly fee and then could see unlimited movies. And... We thought that seemed a little untenable. A little untenable. As time went on, they continued to make choices that uh, made it continually untenable and then tried to correct, course correct on that untenableness, such as by establishing arbitrary rules like you can't see Mission Impossible because it's and you can't see blockbusters with MoviePass. They got into a lot of fights. They got into a fight with AMC. They got into fights with Regal. They kind of launched the theater chain practice of having subscriptions uh, with specific to those chains because the chains were like, whoa, hold up. You're telling me you can, you're subsidizing movie tickets and these people are just going to walk in here and show me their little card and pay with their little movie pass debit card and then see a movie for $10. No, not on my watch. Um, they got in a lot of financial trouble spiraling, bleeding, bleeding money, no matter how many people invested in this company. And finally, this past week, MoviePass announced that it was shutting down on September 14th. Mm-hmm. Or were R. they? Or were they? <laughs> well, they did. But in news <laughs> breaking today, uh, which is September 17th, so who knows what'll happen by the time you hear this, Ted Farnsworth the finance financier and former CEO of MoviePass's parent company has offered to buy the whole shebang, which is obviously great because there's no better person to run that thing than the person who already made all of the mistakes that put mm-hmm. MoviePass out of business. <laughs> yeah. So is this a eulogy or is this simply an ongoing celebration of our coverage are the the dead horse that we're beating here folks i'm done 
<laughs> so I I don't want I I I feel like I have to say I think anyone reading this story that came out today about movie passes like come their their ability to come back I urge people to read this with the greatest amount of skepticism. Uh-huh. It's not just that the guy that like tried to leak this in the press and play it up. It's not just that as you said, Simone, he's the dude that ran into the ground in the first place. It's not just that he has a long history of doing some shady things with different companies, just flipping them and doing all this stuff. It 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 to me, it's so clearly that he he deliberately held back. He waited for it to die, where he could buy it for pennies on the dollar. And he's going to do something with the brand and sell it for something. That's all this is. It's just like Pets.com. Mm-hmm. After that died, they used the mascot for other things. That's all he wants Movie Pass for, in my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, and they must still. I wonder if the data is the customer data is part of that. Uh, I'm sure that it is, but I mean, the whole play, their whole argument, which look, the math never worked out ever in no universe. The the math never, ever, ever worked out. Um, But their whole argument that they convinced some people that the math could work out was, oh, well, we have all this information and that will be valuable. The problem was a couple of things. One, um, the the information, the people would be most valuable to are the theater chains who uh, were like, uh, no, we'll do it get ourselves. away from us. Get out of here. Well, yeah. well, of course, they would do it themselves, which would be the whole thing, right? Like, all they really got from the data, because at one point, MoviePass, before this other company bought it, actually had a partnership with AMC. And I think all that really did for AMC was give them insights into, like, oh, this this could be a thing. Um, let's just do this ourselves rather than partnering with the middleman. So so number one is, is that they have this information, but how valuable it would be is unclear. Um, also, their own attempts at using that data uh, were not successful. So, like, as a movie pass, <laughs> well, no, they weren't. Because, like, I, I used to get, like, email blasts, and a lot of the movies that they would advertise, and I guess try to show that they could move people towards, were, like, not good movies. And so, that, you know, that's part of it. The other thing was, you know, they, they uh, movie pass had this this sub-business movie pass ventures, which was, like, co-financing and distributing movies. And the the, the most high-profile one was, uh, was Gotti starring John Travolta. And that film, not only was it a financial flop, it, it flopped. Um, originally, Lionsgate had was going to uh, be the distributor of that, and the producers bought it back because Lionsgate was like, this is hot garbage, and we're putting this day and date. We're, we're not putting this in theaters. Like, we're, we're literally just going to, like, it'll be in a few theaters, but we're going to put this on on demand and, and, and for people to buy, like we're, we're dropping this, right. We're, we're, we're shelving this. And, um, the producers were like, no, we want to, we want this in theaters. The movie passes like, we'll buy it. And mm. then not only was it a financial flop, but like something like 70% of the people who went to see it were movie pass, um, users, which means they paid for it twice. <gasps> Like, oh, think no. about it. Like, like, well, I mean, that's not how MoviePass would tell you that. But if you actually look at the math, MoviePass is paying, like, they're losing money for every ticket that's used. Double money. And then they also, and then they also bought the film. So they were losing money twice. So how valuable the data is, I think, is questionable. But yeah, I'm sure that would be part of it. And I'm sure that would be how they do this. What's unclear to me, and I love all this so much, so part of me never wants this journey to end because I want this story to be the zombie that comes back like like an actual zombie movie right movie past the apocalypse movie past to the return movie past like it's a whole mm-hmm. saga right like i i never wanted in but like i've been saying this for over a year there's something really shady going on with this helios and matheson company 
Um, I'm obviously not making any definitive statements. I'm not a lawyer. I am not making any sorts of uh, representations about what I think is happening. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm simply saying that from my perspective, in my opinion, something doesn't look right. And I really, really, really want someone to investigate this because something doesn't smell right where you have a stock that it, stock price that at one point was like over $30 a share and the company was valued at a certain amount of money. And then the price kept getting lower. And then when they risked being delisted a few times, they would just issue more shares so that mm-hmm. uh, the stock price would, would go up. And um, I think when it closed, it, you know, it was like a fraction of a penny or whatever was, was you know, where the, the stock last was. So it's like on the pink pages and then some sure seems like this is a way if somebody has, you know, money that they're wanting to do things with just, you know, to, to make your company worthless and then buy it back for nothing. Um, I don't know. Like that, that seems something, something about that doesn't smell right, but um, I'm waiting for the inev- inevitable movie past movie is what I guess I'm saying. Oh God, that would be so good. You've been begging for this expose since like a year ago and I I'm have. still waiting. I, I do. Okay, I just want to make it really clear. I'm not team movie pass here, but I also did just finish Mike Isaac's uh, uh-huh. book on Uber. Have yeah, you, me have too. you finished that? Yeah. So what what I think is really what I think was really interesting about his book, and hopefully he'll be on soon and we can talk to him about it, is uh the book is kind of overall it's about the rise and fall of Travis Kalanick. And mm-hmm. You know, the reason Uber was able to defeat Lyft and other, other you know, rideshare companies was there. Well, frankly, he was very good at raising money, mm-hmm. Travis Kalanick. And he had and no they ethics. Got, had no ethics. And they were willing to lose a lot of money mm-hmm. in the beginning for long-term success. Uh, it didn't work in China. They eventually pulled the plug on that. But when they were first starting in uh, San Francisco, they would actually go to black car drivers. They yep. would give them a free iPhone and then just keep them working all around the clock. So when we were when I was studying for the show today, I was thinking about MoviePass because we've critiqued them for mm-hmm. having a financial model that doesn't work. And I just, I, I, I kind of feel like I have to say, this is a very similar tactic to Uber, which did end um, up working. Well, no, I, I actually think I disagree with you. I disagree sure. with you because there's there are a couple of fundamental differences. Um, uh, the most central one being that Uber, what I think their model always was, was that they would lower, I guess, fees and percentages they would pay to drivers and maybe raise things in other ways and eventually become so ubiquitous, kind of turn it around. And right. a lot of the money they spent was on acquisition costs and, and was on, you know, subsidizing rides for passengers um, as much as it was the, the the cost of the rides themselves, right? Like Uber is obviously still losing a tremendous amount of money, but there is a way, especially when you look at some of the things like Uber Eats and when you look at some of their technology stuff, like I, I don't necessarily think that that is a, a completely unsustainable um, uh, you know, business. Like, I think that you have the opportunity to potentially make that into something. With MoviePass, there's no way because of a couple reasons. One, like I said, they are competing, like they're a middleman at, at, at best, right? They are competing presumably with the theater chains. And the theater chains um, have no reason to want to work with them because they, if they see this as successful, they could do it themselves. Not only that, but with movie theater exhibition, the only reason the chains are profitable to begin with is because of concessions, which is why MoviePass audaciously and, and you know, kind of hilariously 
basically was like, you need to give us a cut of concessions. And the, and the theater chains are like, are you high? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, because so, so, the, the costs are actually fixed in Darius Marcus. That's why you don't see a difference in price if you go to Regal or AMC. And if you do, it might be by a couple of cents. And yeah, AMC might run a promotion on Tuesdays for their loyalty card members, but the prices are fixed in, in various markets. They're set by, um, the, by, by the studios and, and the um, distributors, and the, exib- and the exhibitors don't have a lot of uh, leeway there. So this isn't a, a business where you get you know, a margin cut. And, and even worse, because MoviePass was not working in tandem with the studios, like, the only way this would work for them is if they were able to buy tickets in bulk at a significant discount, right? And yeah. the, the studios refused to do that. So they were having to buy them at retail prices. So to me, that's completely different than what Uber is doing, which is creating a market. Like, Uber yeah. is disrupting stuff and, and distributing it. But, like, to me... I understand what you're saying, that there are plenty of legit businesses that just go on losing money. But this is one where the whole basis of their business is not just being a middleman, but they're paying retail prices for a fixed price industry. Um, and, it, you know, there's just no way that works. I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I think, like, there are a million differences. Like, transportation is an exponentially huge, larger industry than, you know, public transportation, right? Like, there, but... I, I'm not saying it was a good idea. It was a bad idea. I could tell it was a bad idea. We've covered that on the show. I'm just saying I, I, I can see where they're coming from saying we need to invest in this. We need to try to get a network effect up, make this big. I can see it. Look, I can see why people would buy into that. I can see why people would think this is a thing. And I can also see why one of the cases that they made was frequently we'll sell the data and that will be valuable. I'm just saying that every time we saw that, like there are there are very, very big holes in this business, which is why it's been so fascinating to watch. And I think it's also why when you look at what the old business model was, and I'm of the opinion that even um, under the OG business before they did $10 a month when they were selling it for like, Forty or fifty dollars a month. That still wasn't sustainable because at that price, the only people who are going to use it are going to be people who are going to cost you more um, than you will. Like I just I don't know if this is something that unless you are working in tandem with theater chains who have every reason to want to kind of create their their own version and and, and you know um, cut you out of it. If this is something that can ever work, unless you literally have a never-ending supply of cash or you find some other, you know, way of of, of selling kind of an ancillary thing. Um, I, but I do understand why people could be kind of like maybe like hypnotized and say, oh, yeah, this is just like all these other loss leader models. It's just this is like layer upon layer upon layer of bad mm-hmm. thing that's that's only compounded by the fact that the business that it's in is a very specific type of business that, uh, you know, really lends itself to not being disrupted well by this way. That said, like I said, I, I love the entertainment and I'm so grateful for the year plus of entertainment we've had from this. Oh, it's been more than a year. <laughs> and may it go on forever. Can I tell you guys that this episode of Rocket is also brought to you by DoorDash before we go? Perhaps after you finish listening to this podcast, you'll order yourself a fine meal. Maybe you're super focused at work or maybe you're having a chill day at home or you forgot to meal prep. Who knows what your situation is? Either way, you still got to eat. And with DoorDash, you can have dinner from your favorite restaurant delivered right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and have your food delivered to you wherever you are. Your favorite pizza place is probably already on DoorDash. But there are over a quarter of a million restaurants in over three 
thousand cities. Cities is the word that that was. There's door to that is door to door delivery in all fifty states and Canada. So you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Love it. Christina, what mm-hmm. what was the thing that you ordered with your DoorDash experience? Well, I order lots of things from DoorDash. So I get Cheesecake Factory a lot because I love to treat myself to that. But actually, um, a couple days ago, I really wanted Chipotle, and it's it's laughably close. It's like... It's laughably, <laughs> laughably close. I just didn't want to take the elevator downstairs and walk the three blocks. Um, and so I door dashed it instead, and it was worth it. I I, I love my Chipotle chicken tacos. And uh, yeah, so it's it's great. What about you, Brie? Uh, so today Chipotle came out with uh, carne asada uh, tacos. So they wanted really great, fine, excellent steak in their Chipotle tacos and that came out today. So I had that door dash to me. It's freaking awesome. It is so good. Uh, So yes, I love door dash. Well, right now you folks, if you are hungry, uh, you can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more. When you download the door dash app and enter the promo code rocket, that is $5 off your first order. When you download the door dash app from the app store and enter the promo code rocket. So download that app now, start planning your dinner, and don't forget that's the promo code ROCKET for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode of Rocket and Relay FM. Christina Warren, what are you doing this week? Well, I've been in meetings, like, nonstop. Meetings? Uh, yeah, which is not fun. Um, I mean, some of them are interesting, but like I've literally been in meetings, and I've I've I got, actually um, love meetings. I shouldn't talk. <laughs> I mean, I was I was literally on Monday this week. I was in meetings the entire day, uh, like like eight to six. Um, it was a lot. So, uh, but I am uh, so uh, Microsoft Ignite the tour will be back in action starting in November, and so I'm finishing oh, up no. content. I know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, finish, I'm finishing up some of my content uh, oh. around that. And uh, but uh, and and I uh, I, I as uh, I do want to give a shout out. We're hoping to get Mike on the show, but I um, read slash listened to um, uh, Mike Isaac's um, Uber book, uh, Super Pumped. So good. Really, really good read. Like really good. Um, Highly recommended. And so that was uh, one of the things I did. I'm actually now, um, uh, I've got a couple other books that, that I have on my, on my list um, that I, that I'm hoping to kind of get through. But uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of just kind of boring work stuff. But um, this week on channel nine, youtube.com slash Microsoft developer, we were on a two week hiatus. It will be back um, on Saturday. So look for that. So you can count on Simone and I start drinking heavily in November when it comes to planning the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, We're yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, no, I, it's going to be, yeah. The future yeah. is bright. Uh, Brianna, what are you doing this week? I have, okay, so do you remember like in Breaking Bad where you would see people addicted to methamphetamine and like how it would ruin their life? Uh, that's 
basically me playing Final Fantasy VIII, <laughs> which I have mainlined. Oh, and I'm gosh. already at Ultimisha's Castle right now You're at the back end of that it. game. It is so good. That game is so good. I don't understand why everyone hates it. It is so amazing. It has mm. great characters. I love that game. So I've been doing that. I also finished my Geisix book. Uh, I also uh, am halfway through She Said, uh, which is a story about uh, Harvey Weinstein and the uh, the efforts of the uh, New York Times to basically report that story. The two women behind that, like I, they are the Woodward and Bernstein for our generation. Totally. Just, just reading this book, you have no idea what they went through and what Weinstein did to try to shut them down. It is astonishing. So I would actually rather see that movie than a movie past movie as much as it hurts me. Oh, I God. want both. Yes. Yeah. Why not both? We deserve it. Yeah. We do. There's um, that movie that has Adam Driver in it coming out about the, uh, it's called The Report that's about Guantanamo Bay and yeah. those things. It, we're we're in for like a good decade of journalists slash people uncovering bad news movies. And it's going to be great. And I'm excited to see one that centers two women reporters. Hopefully. Someday. It's not confirmed. Sorry. I'm just spitballing here. Folks, what am I doing this week? <laughs> it's the closing weekend for my show. Um, so from Thursday through Saturday, I will be in performances of Trillis and Cressida. Folks, it has been selling out. Uh, so if you want tickets, you can search up Troilus and Cressida on Eventbrite and the theater company's Hamlet isn't dead. Um, rocket listener and friend Henry Casey saw it. I, I said Aww. hi to him. He wasn't wearing Yay, his rocket shirt. You. I don't think. Maybe he was. I didn't look close enough. Doesn't matter. He showed up to your show. Like, that's amazing. It was really Yay, nice. Henry. I was so happy to see him. Um yeah, it, it's been a fantastic run. Um, I am both saddened that it is ending and then also excited to mm-hmm. understand the concept of sleep again. Um, but my brother's coming in this weekend to see the closing show. So, And then I'm going to just take him out partying with the cast. So hope he's in for a good time. That's me. Hey, what about you? I know what you're doing this week. You're going to Apple Podcasts to leave a review of this show. Rocket. <laughs> That's amazing. What? You're going to tell your friends about it afterwards? You're going to recommend them your favorite episode or perhaps just the most recent episode so that they can stay up to date on current events in tech and culture? That's really nice of you. Thank you so much for doing that. Insert your name here. I really appreciate it. To you, personally. Hey, this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 